And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is uh, episode number 526. And tonight on the program, we're going to be talking about Proverbs chapter 14. It's Proverbs chapter 14. As we continue this series, uh, stay tuned. All right, we are going to get into Proverbs chapter 14 here tonight on G220 Radio. We're only going to cover about half of this proverb because there's quite a bit there, and we figured that it would be better to do this in a two-part series in dealing with the book of Proverbs chapter 14. Mike, how are we doing tonight? Doing okay. Doing okay. Just leave it at that. Yeah. A little rough. With the kids trying to get them to bed. They just, sometimes they don't want to. Yeah, no, I definitely understand that. Um, if you are tuning in, uh, we would love to hear where you're from. You can leave a comment uh, in the comment section of wherever you're watching, whether it be on Facebook, whether it be on YouTube. I don't think it will work on Twitter. Uh, I don't know how that would um, happen if you leave a comment there. Although if you leave a comment, uh, we'll see it in the tweets is what you call it uh, but um but yeah leave a comment tell us know tell us what uh, where you're Tech. watching from what's that said very technical term tweets yeah it's tweets a reply yeah the tweets replies whatever it is um but tonight we're going to get into proverbs chapter 14 uh, this is a series that we've gone through for some time and we're just slowly working our way through the book of proverbs uh, we've done some other series that we've completed, and you can find those on our G220 Radio YouTube channel, um, where you're watching, if you're watching from YouTube here tonight. Um, and we're live every Tuesday night, uh, Lord willing. Sometimes we need to take a break, or sometimes something comes up. But for the most part, we're usually here every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. And Joe is watching from Medina, so... It's funny because my GPS, whenever I'm I'm using GPS and it's taking me places, it'll say Medina. And I'm like, it's Medina. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the GPS is right. Maybe Joe could correct yeah. us. But um, yeah. But anyways, we're going to get into Proverbs chapter 14 tonight. Uh, we're just going to take this verse by verse and kind of go through it. I think it'll be better to do that than take a section and just kind of read through it. We'll We'll just talk a little bit about it as we go. And see what we come up with from there. So, verse uh, chapter fourteen, verse one, it says, "The wisest of women builds her house, but the folly, but folly with her own hands tears it down." So, we're we're getting into this as we've talked about already in previous um, episodes where we've dealt with proverbs. This is practical wisdom, practical wisdom. Um, it's godly wisdom. But this wisdom is practical in the sense that we can take this and apply it to our lives, and we're going to see it bear fruit. Now, that is not a guarantee that every time uh, a proverb is given that it is going to come to fruition. Uh, he was just talking, Mike, about putting kids to bed, uh, raise a child up in the way that they go. When they're older, they won't depart. Um, is not a guarantee that every time you raise your children to know the Lord, they're going to grow up to know the Lord. Um, however, this is practical wisdom from God's Word. And so the wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. So not only this, the, the woman who's building her house here, we see that 
this is a woman who's putting investment and time into her home. Uh, you talked about putting kids together, putting kids to bed, but raising your children, raising them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We've kind of talked about that, but this is about raising them up and bringing them up with good values, with good principles, with godly insight and wisdom. Again, raising them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Yeah. And you, um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. I don't know why. Um, obviously, so you, the idea of build here, she's not literally building a house. Right. I mean, I guess she could, or maybe she's wise enough to build her own house. Um, but this is probably playing rather on becoming, um, a place of flourishing would be a way you said raising, raising their kids. Um, I think it's either in like even supporting her husband. Mm -hmm. So this um, kind of idea of building up, um, we could probably even use ideas of bringing life to the family and this um, growing, growing it, bring it, making it home, making a place where the family wants to come to. And that's contrast with the foolish one who tries to destroy it. You got mm -hmm. who in one sense brings death to the family, separates it. Um, and in that way, and so when we, kind of in thinking about that is what type of for young men, what type of woman do you want to marry? Right. And the character with it, I think it's even for married men seeing this proverb, how can we help our wives live understandably as Peter would say in their tasks of child child rearing and to make it a place in which we can support her in what her work is and, and building the home and, and in the nourishment of it. And so there's a lot of ways to, to think about not only the direct command for women and, and obviously kind of married women is assumed here, a married woman and how she to, act and address the Bible addresses how men are to treat their wives. And this right. plays a part <clears throat> into how a woman builds her house um, and goes about with it. And then the foolish one, like I said, just they're destructive. Yeah. They, they destroy they cut off relationships. They alienate people and people don't want to be around them. I mean, that's kind of like you think of the woman, the cantankerous woman of some sort. I think that's kind of there. And so that shows one is wise because it builds and it brings together and there's flourishing. And the other one is foolish because they kind of destroyed what God has given them. Yeah. 
the relationship they're supposed to cultivate. Yeah, and you often see this contrast within the Proverbs where you'll have this woman who's wise building her home, uh, and very it's very fruitful. Um, it, there's things happening within the home. She's being, um, she's she's making it a point to raise her children, to teach them, to bring value into the home, uh, to manage the home wisely, to manage the shopping, to manage the, the the cleaning of the home, to do these things wisely, right? With her time as she redeems it uh, to the best of her ability. We understand that, like you got a lot of kids, it's it's not an easy task, but doing this. And you think of, you know, Leah and Rachel who are building up the house of Israel. You know what I mean? They are uh, these two women who from these two women and their their uh, servants, their handmaidens, you have the entirety of the tribes of Israel come forth, you know, um, building a house, a legacy, one that is going to last, that's going to stand. Um, whereas the foolish, they're tearing it down. And sometimes it's not because they're they're seeking to necessarily just bite and devour their own home, but because of laziness, of idleness, of negligence, you know, they're not taking the time to uh, invest wisely in their home, in the lives of their children, or invest wisely in the things in which they're spending the money on. Uh, they're just not doing that. And so it's being foolish and tearing down that home. Yeah. I mean, you think about mothers of honor, in the Bible, let's just, I mean, consider Mary, the mm -hmm. mother of Jesus, not in some Roman Catholic veneration, but I think there is admonishment there of what God has said of her. And, you know, even in Joseph and what they do. And so, yeah, this having this, this wisdom and knowing again, this is all understanding that they fear the Lord. So there is one sense in that a truly wise woman who built her home fears the Lord, which also means she takes an account Deuteronomy six mm -hmm. and, and doing that. Now that doesn't excuse the father to not do it. He is, I mean, Deuteronomy six directly addresses the fathers in this way. But I, so yeah, just having that kind of understanding that this wise woman, we can say is one who follows God's heart and desires yeah, and sees her role in the family in such a way that brings them up and brings about flourishing, brings about life and enjoyment. Mm -hmm. And as Solomon would say in Ecclesiastes, that's kind of where we find our joy in life. It's in the ordinary. It's within our families. It's what God has given to us. And then that's not our ultimate. Obviously, God is. But there's in this life, the wise people enjoy what God has given to them, and it brings them life. Yeah. Well, you brought up the fear of the Lord, and it actually goes into our next verse here. Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. You know, it's the fear of the Lord that that um, keeps a man from walking in evil, from departing to evil, uh, because when you are walking uprightly, 
in your conversation, in all holiness and godliness, um, that fear of the Lord is evident in an individual's life. And so he that walketh in uprightness feareth the Lord, right? But then you have this contrast, but he that is perverse in his ways, or as the ESV says, but he who is devious in his ways despises him, despises him. Now that could be the one that's devious could be despising the Lord or despising the man who's walking in uprightness. It could be one or the other, or it could be both, you know? Yeah, it's pr- I would probably take it. I originally read it as despise. I mean, the ESV capitalizes him, so they're kind of interpreting it for you as the Lord. My ESV doesn't. I'm hmm. sorry. I'm looking at the NASB here at this point. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> yeah. The NASB... Nineteen ninety-five. Um, I wonder if the new one has it. I'll have to see. Um, the capitalizes, so they gave it to him. I think um, it's probably the parallelism. I would want to say it's Lord, um, but um, I mean he's probably going to despise the upright one in a ways. Right. So well, it it isn't have- that it's kind of evident what we see when, when one is seeking to walk in holiness, seeking to walk in the fear and admonition of the Lord, because one despises the Lord, they're going to despise those individuals. So often like yeah. when somebody has an issue with me because of my faith, ultimately that could be because, you know, because of our flesh, we could just be, unkind or ungracious to somebody and they despise you because of that. But most of the time um, it's because of your faith, because you're walking in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so they, they see that and it confronts their wickedness. And so they despise you because of your desire to walk in a way that pleases God, you know, but it could be, it could be one or the other, or it could be both, or it could just be referring to the Lord. Yeah. The the parallelism, I would say, and none of the commentaries I'm looking at really address um, which one it is. Um, actually, one here says it's person's attitude towards the Lord. I think that makes sense. You have the one who walks in uprightness and the one who doesn't, and how they one fears the Lord, now the other one despises. Um, so one fears and one despises, one fears mm-hmm. the Lord. It makes sense that one dis- would despise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Obviously, an experience that's going to be, um, can be in that way. But I think it really shows, again, kind of the the attitude. The one who wants to walk in righteousness. And, and in a sense, walk in the way that we're called to walk. And only that can only be walked by the power of God with a renewed heart mm-hmm. yeah. that um, he has an attitude. It's this fear. It's, you know, to kind of address it. It's not like he's a, the righteous or afraid of God. You know, if we understand scripture properly, he's been redeemed. So he's not afraid of him, but he has a reverent fear for him. Mm-hmm. And he 
in one sense, understands who God is and his majesty and his holiness and also his grace and his mercy. And he walks accordingly. You can see, you know, it's those who walk by the spirit. Right. As opposed to those in their devious ways, they they walk by the flesh. And Mm -hmm. in doing so, they despise the Lord. Yeah. And and in open rebellion against him. Um, we'll see it a little later on. It's this the idea that or maybe actually I might be confusing it with something I watched um shortly before the show. But just talking about like we know our own way. Um a way that is apart from God's law, I think, is, is part of this. So walking up rightness is walking within God's law, mm-hmm. doing what he has commanded. And the devious ones despise them and they don't. God's law is oppressive in their sight, in their eyes. It's not liberating. Something that must be shaken off and removed. Yeah. Um, and how often do we see that even in our society, right? Uh-huh. Don't murder. It's a sin to murder. It's it's harming your, your neighbor. It's, it's a sin against God. Well, I should have the right to take the life of my own child. Uh-huh. You know, it's... I should have the right. That's oppressive to me. That's oppressing a woman's right to her body, to a woman's right to choose. No, it's because you're not walking uprightly. You don't fear the Lord. So therefore, you have no problem doing these things that are evil and wicked, walking according to the flesh, not according to the spirit, because you have not the spirit, because you're not uh, redeemed, right? So we even see it there in our society. All right, go ahead. And it's just even like you have even with abortion, but even let's just talk. I mean, the rise of just mass shootings in general, not including school shootings that happen. These people who are doing it, they may claim some religious connection, but they're walking antithetical to a very obviously stated command that thou shalt not murder, mm-hmm. shall kill. That's the Lord is the one who gives vengeance. And we, you know, we try to understand that he's given the state, the sword to execute his judgments, but he hasn't given us the sword as individuals, as vigilantes, as much as maybe we like Batman and Batman or the Avengers and whatnot. (laughs) Vengeance, the vigilantes, I guess Batman would probably be the best one is not given to <clears throat> us. Um, mm-hmm. The Lord has clearly I mean, stated through Paul in Romans that the state, the government has the sword. God has ordained the government for that to punish evil and to do what is good. Yeah. And I think this even applies to that, that a state, a government made up of people, their attitude towards God reflects their attitude towards them. Yeah. And, hey, Matt, glad to see you with us. And <clears throat> so an, a president who is openly uh, supporting ideas, philosophies that are contrary to a biblical worldview, a biblical belief, a biblical philosophy— 
again, is devious and hateful and shows a person who does not fear the Lord. Right. Yeah, the actions of one who fears the Lord is going to be noticeable. It's going to be evident in their life. Uh, moving on to verse chapter or verse three. By the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. So think about this. I mean, just in everyday life, uh, one who's constantly running their mouth, as it says here, there's a, there's a rod to his back. But in the context of if you're somebody out there and you're constantly running your mouth, you're getting into it verbally with people, somebody's going to take their fist to your face, right? I mean, that's that's what's being said here. But the mouth of a fool comes, but the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back. He's going to take a beating for the things that are coming out of his mouth, but the lips of the wise will preserve him. A soft answer turns away wrath. The way that we speak to another person, we can uh, e we can basically um, uh, de-escalate a situation. And Matt's asking which proverb. We're in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 3 we're on right now. Yeah, and I think this parallels with verse 1 that we've looked at and what it does. The word of the mouth, the word, the, the mouth of a foolish is a rod to his back. He receives what he gets. Mm -hmm. Foolish people make foolish mistakes and they receive discipline. Yeah. Um, it may not necessarily be running, you know, their mouths and getting themselves in trouble, like on the street. It could be, you know, even something receiving the, the judgment due because of things wrongly said, and now they've put himself against the law. Mm -hmm. Think of, you know, making a threat against the president, something that, or a terroristic threat. They're, again, they're doing something to, I mean, they're destroying themselves. They're right. saying, you could say by extension, also probably doing something kind of clump grouping these first three verses together in a way that the foolish does receive this discipline that they deserve for their, for their lack of wisdom. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever done this, Mike, being in the military as well as I have, but I know there have been times where I was running my mouth. I was not saved. Okay. Not saved. Uh, I was running my mouth based upon the plans of the first sergeant and commander that I did not agree with and realize as I'm walking with my friends, my first sergeant is right behind me. Uh. And, then, and if you are in the military or were in the military, you know what follows, right? You know, um, and so it's, again, like you're saying, my mouth is getting me into trouble. I'm not being wise with it. And I'm saying uh. things that now there's consequences too consequences to those things. All right, let's move on to uh, verse four here, because uh, if we don't, we're going to be here all night. It's already uh, halfway through the show. So um, where there is no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of an ox. Mike, if you want to say something to that, we'll move past this one pretty quickly. I mean, this proverbs very clearly about um, hard work. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, where there's no ox in the manger, the manger is clean. Um, it would imply that the farmer 
has a manger and it has no, no oxen, nothing to plow with, nothing to make money. That's how they would have made money in the, the time of the Proverbs. But much revenue comes by the strength of the ox. So the farmers mm -hmm. out there plowing. I think this tells us not only kind of the importance of work and the value that work brings. When there is no work, the manger is clean. There's there and there's no and by implications kind of it, there's no value being added, whether that's monetarily, but also a work ethic that comes with it. But that the farmer who works, who's plowing their crops, who's using their oxen to, in one sense, make money. I mean, that's what they're doing is doing it. So here we see, again, the proverb is emphasizing the importance of work mm -hmm. and de-emphasizing laziness. Yeah. And verse five, a faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. And so when you think of this, we're talking about character. We're talking about conduct of an individual here. And the one that fears the Lord is going to walk uprightly, uh, as we've already read. And so one who is a faithful witness is one that is, it would be contrary to their character to bear false witness, to, to do that in a court of law or to do that in conversations with one another. They're not, it's not their character to, to be one who is lying. They're, they're faithful. They're going to be honest and uh, not deceitful. But a false witness, well, they breathe out lies. They just blow it out, uh, whether that be in court or with brothers in, you know, or friends. You know, I don't want to say brothers, because sometimes when we look at the, the contrast of the one walking in uprightness and the other one, uh, it, it appears that the other one is not a believer. So uh, they're just walking in the flesh constantly. They just blow out lies. They can't do nothing but lie. They are the, uh, from their father, who is the father of lies, who is Satan. Yeah. You know, coming from a, an all-important quote here, when we consider the ninth commandment, which is thou shalt not bear false witness um, against thy neighbor. If you continue on, we can think about what's, what does it mean to be kind of a trustworthy witness? And it's one who doesn't bear false witness. And with the catechism kind of explaining this, the ninth commandment requires the maintaining and promoting of truth between man and man and of our own and our own neighbor's good name, especially in witness bearing. So to to fulfill the command to not bear false witness, I think it's important to maintaining and promoting the truth. Mm. It's not just knowing it, it's promoting what is true. So what's forbidden then is whatsoever the prudential prudential to truth or interest to one owns or our neighbor's good name. It's to, to drag someone down. Mm -hmm. And so when we, we think about trustworthiness and a, and a trustworthy witness will not lie. They're the one who is keeping and promoting truth. They're, they're ensuring the truth is known where the false witness doesn't care about truth. Yeah. 
And this reflects what they think about God because God is truth. God is the commandment is a reflection of God's own nature. God cannot lie. Mm -hmm. He's not like man. Mm -hmm. And so the trustworthy witness in one sense fears the Lord. And he's also in the proper sense, he is representing the Lord among the people. He is the, the Imago Dei, the image of God in, in what he is doing. <clears throat> and the false witness is acting like the devil who lies. Yeah. That's all what the yeah. devil does. So he's now acting contrary to who God is and what God calls us to be. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So verse six, a scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. So you got the scoffer who is seeking for natural wisdom. He's seeking for wisdom in vain, right? Um, they find it, but they profess themselves to be wise, but they become fools. That's what it tells us in Romans 1. And I, I think about this as I just recently heard a sermon from a pastor, and I cannot remember the guy's name. Yeah, he does biblical counseling, I think with BCI. And it was a biblical counseling conference, and I had been listening to it. And they were talking, he was talking about Adam and Eve. And he said, when we think about Adam and Eve eating from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it was not that they did not know good from evil. They had already been given that. God said, of all the trees in the garden, you can eat, but of this tree, do not eat. They've already been told, this is not, this is, you don't eat from this tree. They've already been given a command, right? But they sought to leave the godly wisdom for the worldly wisdom. When Satan comes in and says, eat of this tree and you will be like God. So rather than taking the godly wisdom that was already given to them, they sought for the worldly wisdom. I think of that, uh, what he just said in, in the, the sermon that I heard. Um, and then I think of Mr. Worldly Wise from Pilgrim's Progress, Pilgrim's Progress, who comes and tells uh, Christian, hey, here's where you're going to find wisdom. It's all this worldly wisdom that's going to get you on your journey. Now, that's not the wisdom we we need or we seek, uh, but a scoffer, a scoffer will seek this kind of wisdom. It's in vain. It's not, it's not wisdom that is uh, wisdom from God. It is the wisdom of the world, where knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. One who is seeking genuine wisdom from God, they will understand, because the natural man can't discern spiritual things, but one who is in Christ is going to be able to discern these things and understand the wisdom that they're seeking. Yeah. <clears throat> I also, there is also, I mean, everyone's seeking for wisdom. Let's just throw it out there. I think uh, Dr. Garrett, Dwayne Garrett, in his um, commentary, his portion, the the Bible knowledge commentary on this, um, I think points out is like, in one sense, we can commend the scoffer only in this way, that he is seeking wisdom. He wants to gain wisdom. The issue is, as you as you mentioned, he doesn't qualify to seek for wisdom. Mm-hmm. He doesn't fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So he can seek wisdom, but he's a scoffer. He's scoffing at godly wisdom. So he finds no, he finds none. Because there is no wisdom apart from God. And even the wisdom... S- worldly philosophers find and some have i mean 
somehow found it. You kind of see some of it in, in some of the books I've been reading at work, kind of in business. And they find some, but it's God's wisdom. And yet they probably, and we can say, give this in kind of the general revelation, which God gives us in the light of nature of man. But in the end, they reject God's wisdom. And they wouldn't be consistent with it. Mm-hmm. But then the counter is the knowledge is easy to the one who has understanding. I think this connects that wisdom is not, not just knowing things. That's part of it. But it's also understanding. It's knowing when to apply the right nuggets of truth when. And so the one who scoffs at God's wisdom, they don't find it. But the one who has knowledge, knowledge about God, knowledge about his word, what God has Mm -hmm. told us to do, he's the one who finds the wisdom. He's the one who fears the Lord, the one that has started down this journey in gaining wisdom. And in one sense, we can say he's a philosopher, a godly philosopher for the love of wisdom. Yeah. All right. So verse seven, it says, leave the presence of a fool for there. You do not meet words of knowledge. So when we consider this leaving the presence of a foolish man, um, we should avoid him, you know, shun his company, depart from him, have no fellowship with him. Uh, because it's dangerous and it's infectious and it's hurtful uh, to be in when you're seeing these contrasts as we're going through here. And it says, for there, it, for there, you do not meet words of knowledge. You don't gain any wisdom or any knowledge from a fool. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. So as we're talking about the fear of God, which this all stems from, the fear of the God is the beginning of wisdom, is the beginning of this knowledge. So one who doesn't fear God can offer you no wisdom. They can't offer you anything but foolishness. Yeah, I think we're here to read five and six with this. So this presence of the fool is the scoffer who seeks wisdom and can't find it. He mm-hmm. is the one who bears false witness and breathes out lies. Why would you, in one sense... Uh, waste your time listening for a fool into thinking you're going to get something out of them. And to be able to grow and to know. They hate God. They scoff at his wisdom. They don't reflect his truthful character. And so there's this kind of idea that we shouldn't be going out to the world to look and how to live in God's world. Like Mr. Worldly Wise Wisdom. Yeah. yeah. Because there's nothing there. There's there's no words of knowledge. There's there's no words of wisdom on how to live in God's way. This is why we should be discerning on what we read. Mm-hmm. Now, this doesn't say that those who are against God doesn't 
maybe bring attention or find nuggets of truth. As Todd Friel used to say in his show all the time, he's probably not original with him. Every once in a while, Brown's, a blind squirrel finds a nut. They live in God's world. They will f- stumble upon God's wisdom. But we shouldn't be seeking that wisdom from a fool. We should be going to the word and to the people God has given to us throughout history on interpreting and understanding who he is. And I can't remember exactly where, but I think we even see this example given to us in scripture. When Paul quotes one of the, um, I don't know, Phoenicians or he, he quotes one of their poets, one of their, their yeah, known, uh, known individuals. Acts 17. When, yeah. Um, and so he's saying like, even he says this about these Cretans, right? Mm-hmm. But he's not saying, now go read what he's, what he's wrote. Go read him and gain wisdom from this guy. He's pointing out, like, even this guy said this. I'm not saying go read him now. I'm not promoting him. I'm just saying even he said this thing and gaining the attention of these individuals. So as you're saying, you know, even uh, there can be maybe a nugget of truth or there can be, because all truth is God's truth, right? There can be things, but it's not that we are then saying, oh, yeah, go to the world and find this wisdom. No. It's not, it's not what the, that's not the wise thing to do because they don't fear the Lord. I mean, think of it politically, when you look at the conservatives today, conservatives are known to be more biblical than the liberals. But if you look at the conservatives, many of them are not biblical, right? They're more conservative in their values, but they're not biblical in their approaches. So the worldly wisdom in that, while they still may be trying to hold to that communicable attributes that they've been given from God, they they can only go so far with that. Because without the wisdom of God, without the mind of Christ, I mean, you, you can't have that true wisdom. Yeah, I think this plays to kind of more in a going to the reform, more reformed Baptist camp with this idea of how do we deal with like Aquinas and maybe like Christian Platonism and ancient Greek philosophy and that question of how does that, how do we understand that in the Bible? The early church quite frequently would use philosophical terms from ancient, well, not so ancient during their time, but what we'd say ancient Greek philosophers, Pluto, um, Socrates, Aristotle, those two. And there's places for that. And they provide to us categories to think about. But in the end, their views have to be, in one sense, rejected because they're non-Christians, though they may give us ideas and groups to think about, which I would say the Bible already gives us these categories where you just use their names. Again, this is more high level not to be in it, but this isn't a neglecting of that. People who don't fear the Lord don't always have wisdom, but their wisdom is always kind of tainted with worldliness. Mm -hmm. And we have to kind of eat, eat the meat and spit out the bones. 
some have more meat, some has less, some have none. And the, if you, if you, and I say this in grace and kindness, if you lack discernment, don't spit out, don't eat the meat and spit out the bones. Just don't, don't consume it at all. If, if there's a lack of discernment, because you could be pulled into being deceived by some of these, these individuals. Um, all right. So where are we that's at? We're, church. What's that? Yeah. That's, that's why you go to church. Absolutely. It's essential. Absolutely essential. It's been the con- conversation of topic all week. Church is essential. All right, I think we're at verse um, eight. Verse eight, yes. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, so the idea of kind of prudent is one who is thoughtful. Um, the Hebrew can kind of have this idea of um, clever, cunning. Um, we use prudent kind of in a good way. So kind of you can think of someone um, just like Jesus when he's answering the Pharisees questions, especially about um, who he is. And when he challenges them, when did who was David referring to when he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand and I'll make your enemies a footstool. That kind of cunning, clever idea. So the wisdom of these kind of clever is to discern his ways. He he has this understanding. He knows, and he's working through it. But the folly of the fools is deceiving. They they kind of have this appearance of being prudent, but as we've seen, it's not what it seems. It brings destruction. That's what the fool does. That's the wisdom of the fool brings. Mm-hmm. And so the wisdom of the prudent discerns kind of the proper path to travel and to navigate within this world. Can you see this kind of um, the instructor giving um, Christian information to live and to continue Um, kind of in that way where the fools of the follies are deceiving. They, they don't, keep us kind of on the, sh- the narrow path towards heaven. It leads us down to the broad and then again, bringing destruction upon us. Yeah. And even with that, the folly of fools is deceiving, not just deceiving others, but deceiving themselves, mm-hmm. you know, because how often is it when someone is confronted in their sin or confronted in something that they're doing, but they're a fool. They're deceiving themselves to think, I don't need, I'm, I'm, I know what I'm doing is right, you know, or deceiving themselves in doctrine, in theology. They're deceiving, they're, they're a fool. They're, they're, they're buying into, you think of modalism, the oneness, you know, theology that denies the Trinity. There are some genuine people who are nice, they're kind, they're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong because all that they truly believe that what they're believing is truth while they are denying the triune God. So they're deceiving themselves as well. All right, so let's move on to verse 9. Verse 9, fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. So fools mock at sin. They mock at it, right? Uh, They mock at their own sinful actions. They mock at the sinful actions of others. 
I mean, you think about this. They, they call that which is good evil and that which is evil good. I mean, we see this in our society today. This has always been around since the fall of Adam and Eve. But we see it so noticeably here in our society because we've got these cell phones and we've got these computers that are in front of our screens that we're using to, to put this out here on these platforms. And there's like everything, the access to everything is right there at your fingertips. So you could fingertips, so you could see what everybody's doing all across the world. People are putting it up, uploading it. And I'm gonna tell you, I wouldn't recommend going on TikTok. I wouldn't. Our buddy. Our buddy, our friend Nathaniel had a TikTok account where he uses it. And there are some people there that use it to pro proclaim the gospel. So I created a TikTok account because I was like, oh, maybe I will use that to throw some G220 stuff out there. And it's it's just debauchery. <laughs> I'm not a legalist, but it is just bad. Like you see this wickedness just like all over the place. Um, and people enjoy it. They're liking it. They're loving it. They're sharing it. It's just it's bad. Right. Let's kind of consider what the fools are mocking. So go to Leviticus, everyone's favorite book of the Bible. Chapter five. The holiness code. Yeah. And so starting in verse 14, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, if anyone commits a breach of faith and sins unintentionally, and any of the holy things of the Lord, he shall bring to the Lord as a compensation, a ram without blemish, out of the flock valued of silver shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, for a guilt offering. He also must make restitution for what he has done amiss in the holy things, and shall add a fifth to it and to give it to the priest. And the priest should make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering, and he shall be forgiven. And everyone sins doing anything, doing any of the things that the Lord commandments ought not to be done, though he did not know it, then realizes his guilt. He shall bear his iniquity. He shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish out of the flock and an equivalent of a guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him and mistakes that he made unintentionally and he shall be forgiven. It is the guilt offering he is indeed incurred guilt before the Lord. So obviously there is, you know, to think about it. So the, so the fool is mocking what God has given the people to become right with God. When they have done something, when they have broken God's commands and they need to become right with God, the fool is mocking it. They're they're downplaying their sin. It's, I mean, we can see this everywhere. I'm not yeah. that bad of a sinner. Hitler is worse. Not I'm not I'm not like some other people. Yeah, it's always easier or, to compare ourselves to others who compare themselves yeah. to others rather than to compare himself to the word of God. Or even even more so rejecting our Lord. Jesus mm. rejecting his guilt offering for our sins. The substitution that he would pay that we will celebrate here in mere days. And to, to think about what that, what that means. The fools mock at the guilt offering. They, 
they just see sin as just what we do. I don't need Jesus to save me from my sins. They, these, this, I think we can also say, here's covenant theology coming out of me, just warning that these fool here, these fools here who mock the guilt offering think that they can do what Adam could not do himself. Mm. They are putting onto themselves this covenant of works, thinking they can please God by what they do. But that's not what the upright do. The upright sees their sins. They see the grace of God in the offering and by faith take it. And there are the ones, the ones who have humbled themselves now have been receiving, received grace by God. God has given them a way to escape the punishments of their sins and they have gladly taken it. That's good. That's the difference. Yeah, that's good. That's really good right there, brother. A very good and insightful. Hey, let's um keep this moving here. We are on verse 10, I believe. Uh, I'll let you speak to this and we'll try to move a little with a little pace here. But the heart knows its own own bitterness and no stranger shares its joy. I mean, we know it. Um, when you're bitter, um, you know, it, it plunges you. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to think of kind of the, um, the ax, the modern day axiom for yeah. it. Well, it does show too. When somebody's bitter, it shows in the way that they come across to people. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody has a grudge, they have some bitterness towards another person. It shows on their face. It shows in their mannerisms. It shows there's no joy in it. A stranger can't share in the joy because there is no joy when there's this bitterness that's eating you up and ruining your life uh, because you're bitter, right? Um, yeah, and this, the idea that the heart knows its own bitterness, this is would be the all the faculties of our lives are not only are, are knowing, like we know, it's emotional, and then also our... Um, volition our will what we do how mm. we do it That's and right. so the the heart knows its own bitterness and being bitter and yeah it shares and no stranger shares its joy no one no one likes to be bitter and no one likes to be around people who are bitter there is no joy they i mean the lord's not bitter and he has full joy mm-hmm. and calls to us. Bitterness is antithetical to the God who seeks out to save sinners. Mm. Mike, you just on a roll tonight, brother. Ooh, good word over here on G220 Radio. Make sure you share, like, and subscribe. All right, so uh, verse 11 here. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish I think this is very, very interesting here. This contrast, the, the house of the wicked will be destroyed. I mean, you, you think so often people think that, well, I've got acquired all this wealth. I have this nice home and all this, these wonderful things, but they, they squander it. They're wicked. They're not, their house is not going to continue. Something could easily come in and wipe out their fortune or their their inheritance to their children, or they don't have any children to continue on their name, to build their house. 
whereas the tent of the upright will flourish. And it's not only in, we're not talking just about material gains. This isn't a health, wealth, and prosperity show here. We're not promoting those kind of preachings. But in your life, you will leave a legacy that will stand, that will amount to something. It's kind of like what we've talked about here on G220 Radio is like, look, we may not be the most popular YouTube or podcast show out there, but we know that we are leaving a legacy for our children for our grandchildren, for their children, so that they'll see this and say, what was grandpa? What was great grandpa? Great, great grandpa talking about on this show. And we're hoping to leave them the word of God and the passion that's within us about Christ with them, that they would hear this love that we have for the Lord and they would respond to it. So, yeah, I could consider the irony of this. It's a house versus a tent. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just dwell on this. The house is destroyed, which we can think of. I mean, we're both at houses, sturdy walls. The wind's not going to knock it down. And when you think of a tent, you don't think of something that's sturdy. Mm-hmm. I've been camping in some severe thunderstorms. I didn't know if my tent was going to stand the wind that was hitting it. It's not sturdy. So the contrast, the wicked who builds this house, builds something they think is sturdy mm. and will be destroyed. Yep. They're, they're, they think they're doing this to kind of to go to um, Genesis 11. They're trying to build a tower to God. They're trying to make a great name for themselves. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get to heaven in that sense. And they build something, a sturdy tower leading to the heavens and it will be destroyed but it's the tent of the the ones who trust in the lord the ones who've crossed through the red sea they're they're living in tents and they're trusting the lord and they will flourish Mm -hmm. god will protect them they don't need the the things to build up to protect them they just need to trust God. And the, the and so you even see the the structures bring apart this kind of um level of trust. The one who builds the house trusts in the house. And in one sense, the uprights, the ones who are in the tents, trust in the Lord. And they're the ones who will grow. Yeah. Now let's move on to this next verse. Now, this is what we based the title of the show upon tonight verse 12 there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death when you think about this this way that seems right to a man right uh, it's this way of sin and wickedness uh, it promises pleasure because sin does promise promise pleasure does it not i mean you think about a sexual sin it promises this temporary pleasure uh, riches money riches like going after money it, it promises this pleasure of wealth like we just talked about these these people building these houses building these these places establishing something but it can just be easily wiped away but this is going down this broad road of pleasure, of sin, and doing these things that seem right. It feels good for the moment, but its end leads to destruction, leads to death. The Bible says there's two roads. There's this broad path 
Many people are on this broad road, this broad path that leads to destruction, but few are on this narrow road that comes. That's only through Christ. This narrow road, only through Christ, that leads to eternal life. Yeah. So, kind of looking over Dr. Garrett's section over here, he puts verses eleven and twelve together as a point, as kind of the main point between eight and fifteen. And that how he labors it is the destruction of wicked. So the, um, the house that'll be destroyed and the way of death mm-hmm. in verse 12, obviously the way in there. And to think about these kind of connected that the way that seems right to man is the one who is trying to build this stronghold to keep his name great to kind of make him place again going back i think the the imagery of genesis 11 that they're building this tower and then god scatters them with by changing their language and and in one sense destroying them um plays a part in how we we can kind of think through what this means these people from the line of, um, not forget it, but from the ungodly line coming out of Noah, try to build, build it. There is this, they thought they needed to make a great name lest they be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And what it sees is that when we think we know how to live in God's world apart from God, it leads to destruction. Right. It's the one who mocks God's guilt offering for us. They are doing things that are against God and God will hold everyone accountable for their sins. The question is, is the man in the middle, the one who bore your sins or not? Do you Mm. place your faith in, in him or not, because that's the only way you're going to flourish. That's the only way you're not going to die in the second death. Yeah. Man. All right. So verse 13, even in laughter, the heart may ache and the end of joy may be grief. And I, and I think of this uh, in Gil, Gil's commentary. He brings this up with uh, Belshazzar, you know, with Daniel. He's having a feast. He's enjoying it. He brings out all the, 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 uh, what do you call them? Cups and things from Israel that belong to their God. Right. And he's just having a party. He's having a feast. He's laughing. He's enjoying life. And then the writing on the wall this night, you're going to be destroyed. And boom, there it is. There's ache, there's pain, there's destruction and death for this man. Um, but even in that, in a practical sense for, for, for us, just because you're laughing, you, you can laugh and have enjoyment in something while something is, you're sad, something's going on. You can have ache, right? Where even it says the end of joy may be grief. You think of, you think of Job, right? And say, how could this man have any joy? Well, he's in God. He's, he's in Christ. He's in, he's in one who's believing in God and trusting in God. So even though all this grief comes, you can still have joy even in the midst of troubles and trials and tribulations and sufferings, you still have joy because you have Christ. But those who don't have 
Christ have no joy. They have no peace. They have no hope. Yeah. I think this is important to, to remember. Um, and I don't know if you went through this in the military. Um, I did. You have suicide training. And, and one thing you can, you learn from it. And I think this is, is that people may act differently to cover up their pain. Cause people ask after someone's commit suicide is like, just would have, what if I would have known I could have done mm. something. Right. And I think this is where having a community comes together to know, to kind of hear, know the secret things of the heart. Someone may be laughing and yet have just no peace in their life. Yeah. They may even be a believer. I think um, JC Ryle talks about this in his, in holiness of kind of the believer that just never has assurance. They may look fine, but internally they may be kind of aching and not at peace and, and wrestling. And so I think this is a reminder to us that the outside is not, maybe not always what it seems to be on the inside that even in laughter, someone could be hurting and needs someone to listen to, to help, to, to bounce out, to bring them back into what is reality, especially if they've deceived themselves into believing falsehoods about what's going on. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. this got a downer note, sorry, but this, um, that even in laughter, someone may just maybe using it to cover up deep pains. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, it's a good, uh, a good thing to think through. I actually wasn't thinking about it until you brought it up. And I, I actually did have a soldier who attempted suicide in the military uh, when we were serving and he, the day before, and even up to that point was one of those kind of guys that liked to joke around, like to be funny, like to be a center of attention. Um, and, yeah, he tried to do that. And uh, it, but again, it's because it's covered. It's it's hidden. You 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 yeah. could be trying on the outside to appear to be like everything's wonderful and great. And in the inside, just completely, completely dying. So here we are. Verse 14, the backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways and a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah, I think this. Yeah. Um, kind of repeats what we saw about in um, the verse nine. Again, thinking these are kind of in parallel ideas. Um, the backslider, the one who who doesn't believe, the one who does the work of the flesh, he will receive what his rewards. He will re reap what he has sown. And he has sown sin, he has sown disbelief, and he's going to to reap that. He is like the fool who mocks the guilt offering. He has no part in God, but a good man 
will be filled with the fruit of his ways. This is the one, I mean, just let's just keep going there. The fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. And those who do those respectable fruits, fruit will re reap what they sow. They will get what they have. And when a good man, when we think about being filled with the spirit and working out in the fruit of the spirit is one who brings joy. People want to be around him. Mm. They, he has a passion for life that cannot be matched. I think a lot of times, especially people who study theology can kind of be melancholy. I think the Christian life, and I've thought about this a lot over the last several years is about flourishing and it's flourishing, not only spiritually, but in some sense, in the physical realm and how not necessarily monetarily right, that we'll right. be making millions, but that our lives are good lives. We're a stable ocean liner in the rough seas. We're not being tossed to and fro mm. in that way. And the, the fruit of our ways reflects God's just work in us. And that's of all the people who should be enjoying God's creation rightly are Christians, the ones who know the Lord, yeah. the ones who study who he is and see God's greatness in all of the earth and to enjoy what he has given to us in the utmost. Yeah. And Again, this kind of this idea of flourishing and, and joy um, is seeing just even what sin does, mm. how sin hurts us. But when we walk in the way of the Lord, we're, I mean, we're a good man. And overall, we live a joyful life, even in trials and and persecutions. Yeah. And hey, we only have three more verses left. So bear with us. We're going to, we're running a little long here tonight on the program, but we only have three verses left and we want to get this in, um, in part one. And, and so, uh, hopefully you'll stick around with us and we can get through these last couple verses. Uh, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Think about this. I think about there's the simple believes everything, you know, have conversations with someone that everything they hear, they believe uh -huh. every conspiracy theory. We, we just went through a pandemic, right? We just went through where you had this C-19 stuff going on and all this stuff about the, the shots and everything and people coming and saying, Oh, they said this on the, they said this, they said this, they said, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got it. We need this. And then some people said, let's take, take a breather here. Let's try to do some investigation. Let's try to learn some things here. But there are people that are like this with everything, everything. They believe everything. They don't question anything, 
right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the prudent one gives thought to his steps. He's he's taking the time to let me investigate a little bit. Let me step back and wait for more information before I am hasty with my judgments or with my my words as, as I'm speaking upon something. Let me wait. Let me think through this. Let me examine these things before I take these steps. And that's what we're kind of seeing here in this verse. Mike, anything you want to add? And well, then we'll. I mean, yeah, I think you see it, um, in in news stories when news stories breaks and they're 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 making what they think happened, what's going on, mm-hmm. um, before the evidence comes out. They just, um, there's a belief and not. And uh, they believe everything, which is easy. It's simple. Uh, the simple believes everything. It's right. not hard work. It leads to contrary thinking, too. If you believe everything and not to think to think through it. Again, the prudent is one who is clever and wise, um, who... In, in in English kind of is probably the example of one who has wisdom is thinking about these things, thinking about his steps. I mean, and one way we can say, think about it is um, is when you have these get quick, get rich, quick schemes. Mm. Pyramid schemes, schemes, not just pyramids, schemes, but all these pyramids. things, right? We did yeah. a show on pyramid schemes a while back, but we did. But just any kind of this, like, learn how to get passive income, and do you, you do these like three things? You don't have to worry about kind of all of that, and the simple believe it, and they they go after it. I had a roommate who got caught up with Amway in the multi level. Um, marketing scheme mm. and with it and i was listening not to sound like i knew what i was knew anything about it but it serves as a good example listening to talk about how oh like this is just like mcdonald's and how they franchise i'm like but it's not there's something different there that's that's the difference is just accepting everything and all of the maybe someone coming up to you and say i heard a word from god that you're going to do great things and change the world and just Mm -hmm. believing it um you'll see yeah i know i know of a a couple who are unable to have children and somebody came up to them saying i got a word from the lord that you're going to have children by next year how hurtful and hard that was to them Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but as you said you know in the spiritual aspect of this one who believes anything, you think of how many times we've had conversations with individuals who believe, yeah, well, that's what you believe as Christians, but I don't believe Jesus is just the only way. These people believe in a Jesus, or these people believe in their beliefs. I think it's all going to get to the end, uh-huh. believing anything. When the scriptures tell us there is but one way, it's not that you can have all these different beliefs and it's all going to come out in the end. It's all going to pan out. No, that, that subjectivity or that that all-inclusive idea is contrary to the Word of God. 
And you can't just believe anything and think that it's going to get you to this final destination of eternal life in Christ. It has to be through Christ and Christ alone. All right, so the last two verses that we have, we'll go 16 here, and then we'll we'll close it out. So, one who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. I'm sure there's a lot we could say about this one, right, Mike? Yeah, I mean, God cares about the ends and the means. Mm -hmm. He cares about how you do things. The one who is wise is cautious. He thinks about what he's doing. You can kind of have this alertness, their awareness of what's going on. And he turns away from evil. He He's processing this. He's thinking about it. And he's noticing will, where sin may lie. And he's planning accordingly. He's walking. But a fool, we could say, is like a bull in a china shop. It's just going all over there and just making a havoc of what's going on. The fool doesn't care. He runs. He runs after this. He does what he pleases. He is the people of Israel and judges doing what is right in their own eyes and not considering the what lies ahead, what snares that may come. Well, yeah, like you were saying, there's this it all comes back to this fear of God, right? So this, this wise man feareth and departed from evil. He, he, he fears God. So in the fear of God, he's going to abstain from, from living in the flesh, from walking in the flesh, but will walk in the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right. So he's going to walk in these rather than walking uh, in this foolish, rageous way of being reckless and careless in his life. Um, you think I think of uh, some of these things I've seen on TV before where uh, these young men, they do some really crazy things that are just reckless and, and foolish. Uh, you know, like uh, even my my boys did uh, a little bit of this parkour stuff. I'm not saying it's wrong or it's evil to do it, but I've seen some people jumping like some really crazy things and like people see that and then they try it without the experience or without the the ability that some of these men have that they see doing on these videos and they get seriously injured or paralyzed or die because they break their neck. It's careless. It's reckless. It's foolish. Right. But. Even in that, this this fullness and, and reckless, this caring, the, the, the fool is reckless um, He because he does not fear God. He does not fear God and does not fear man. And so therefore he does things, whether he, it's, it's things that he's doing physically or things that he's saying with his mouth, just reckless, careless, doesn't matter. what If it hurts anybody, if it harms anybody, if it brings any harm to himself, doesn't even care. He's reckless, careless. YOLO. You only live once, but you can die twice. To send, I mean, the irony of YOLO, you only live once, and doing crazy things. When the wise thing is to consider, it's like, oh, I only live once. I should try to make it count. Mm -hmm. I should make it worth it. I mean, just that example, to say you only live once, to do crazy stuff that could kill you. If you don't know what you're doing or 
to do things that are are reckless and and just licentiousness and in that way it just shows you the foolishness that goes that way because if you truly only live once then you should make every moment count you should count your days because the days are evil yeah all right, so our last verse for the night, we're going to end here at verse 17. Um, there's probably some things we could say about this verse, but we're going to end here tonight. And uh, we will pick this up at a later time to continue uh, the rest of this, this chapter here in Proverbs. And so verse 17, a man of quick temper acts foolishly. A man and a man of evil devices is hated. So th this man who is... Um, a quick-tempered individual, and they act foolishly. You think about this, you're a hothead. Like, you respond without thinking through the consequences of something. Or, you know, you, you're just quick. You're not slow to speak. You're quick to respond, right? It's it's acting foolishly. Um, and he does foolish things. A person like this will say foolish things. He will do foolish things. But the but the one thing is if if one is in Christ because even as Christians we can act out of anger we can act foolishly right but the difference between one that is in Christ and one that is not is that one afterwards will be sorry for what they've done they will repent of what they've done because they will be convicted and there should be some shame and 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 uh, conviction towards the sin that they are perpetrating bringing forth whereas one that is not will be a man of wicked devices. And he's hated. He's hated for it. This man will hide his anger. He covers his resentment. Um, he schemes and, and seeks for revenge to, 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 to go after people who have done something towards him. He hides it, but he's hated because people, again, as we talked about this with bitterness, people can see these things. They can. It's evident within these individuals, right? So a man of wicked devices is hated because they hate God and man. Yeah. And we see here, I mean, a quick temper. Someone um, that, you know, is, you know, a ticking time bomb. And you never know when they ex are going to kind of explode. Mm -hmm. And they a act foolishly. They're not someone who's quick. Yeah, someone who's quick-tempered is not thinking clearly. They're not level-headed. Um, they don't, in this way, don't display God, display God, who is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And so a man of quick temper acts emotionally. He He's being controlled by his emotions and not by kind of the leveling effect of um, his knowledge of his knowing. <clears throat> and so I think, I mean, this has so much application. <laughs> you just think of Twitter and people just like, bam, 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 or keyboard warriors on on Facebook or YouTube comments, 
that just like lash out that just goes and act this act foolishly you can just see their foolishness spool as we talked about in hebrew or in proverbs 13 it's almost like the fool like proclaims he is a fool when we act with a quick temper and not that we often can kind of confess sins, but I don't know. This is probably a struggle I have, especially with kids after a long oh. day of work and just, and, you know, just acting emotionally. Cause I'm tired. It's been long. It's been a long day, especially if it's things aren't going well at work. Projects are not getting done fast enough and, and trying to get things done and again, it's let's call it as it is. It's sin. Um, and just the, the rational with it, yeah. but it, it's showing someone who, again, is acting irrational, acting like an animal on pure emotion and instinct instead of the reasonable soul that we have been given as the Imago day into act in the way that God, because God is not controlled by his emotions. Right. He's impassable. That's right. And Did we do a show on that, Mike? I'm, I mean, not yet. No, we haven't. <laughs> and, you know, now God is pure act. So we talked about, as I talked about, um, several weeks ago and kind of um, an understanding. Did I? Yeah, and divine. Now I can't even think about it. Anyways, that God, God is love and acts in pure love. Yeah, and so he he isn't controlled by his emotions like we are. Now that's in one sense makes us different from God, and we should realize that we are emotional beings, but we're still called to to control our emotions and the one who is quick temper who acts foolishly who is not in control of his emotions is the one i mean you can see it is reckless and careless from the full the, of the flow that is addressed in verse 16 yeah yeah there's much there tonight we we did go long so i appreciate those who stuck around with us uh, normally we are at about an hour and we're out but um did go a little long here tonight and that's the great thing about having your own program you can take it as long as you want or as short as you want but uh we do try to keep it an hour because we're busy men you know we got lives and and we um and we know you do too so yeah we're not they're not james white who's gonna do a two and a half hour show yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've seen some brothers, man. Let's see. Uh, here we got one. Um, another comment here. I, I've seen some brothers do some lives, and there's some good content out there on on YouTube, on podcasts or whatnot. And and I've listened. I listened to a few different podcasts and whatnot. But man, I've seen some guys go four or five hours on YouTube, and I'm like, how in the world do you have that much time? You see, here at G220, our main main passion is always been evangelism we want to encourage you to get out and share the gospel you know whether that's through gospel tracks whether that's through one-on-one -on -one conversations whether you get out on the streets and preach um if you're a man not a woman but if you get out there and do those kind of things um but uh we want to encourage you to do that and then we use these platforms here at g220 radio to talk about things 
uh, dealing with the Word of God. And we talk about a lot of different uh, topics. You can find many of those topics on our G220 radio page uh, on our radio channel on YouTube. Uh, you can also listen to us if you don't like looking at our faces. Um, you can listen to us via the podcast um, through Podbean or any podcast catcher that is out there. And I, I do a lot of speaking with my hands. Um, it's just, I'm very... I just do it off camera. Do it off, yeah. So the camera's right here in front of me. So I'm sorry if that uh, distracts people. Uh, but I have my hand like out here moving or yeah. out here. Yeah, yeah, brother yeah. brought that up to me the other day. He's like, "Man, you you do a lot of talking with your your hands." You should see my daughter. She gets it from me. She's like very, um, you know, in her in her I mean, talking. One of the worst things I had to do in seminary, and was to watch one of my sermons with no sound and pay attention mm. to my hands and facial expressions. It was hard. It was rough. Fifty even for fifteen minutes. So long the sermon was. It was just. Mm -mm don't like it that's why i don't do it in the screen yeah absolutely well that's been g220 radio for tonight i hope you enjoyed the program uh if you did um send us a message g220 radio gmail.com we would love smash to hear from that you like button yeah yeah smash that like button subscribe and share it with a friend if you do you do if you don't you don't we we uh we appreciate it if you do but um we're still gonna be here next week whether you do or you don't just being honest with you but um you may you may partition to god to call down curses you know standard yeah 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 have a good night matt appreciate you tuning in with us brother so no but in all seriousness uh if you have any questions comments concerns you can email us at g220radio at gmail.com the g220radio at gmail.com we're just being a little lighthearted here at the end of the program um but we do want to hear your feedback. If you have some feedback for us, again, you can email us there. Make sure you put attention to Mike and uh, we'll let Mike answer those emails with his busy schedule. So, you know, but hey, next week we'll be back. I'm not sure if we will be doing part two of Proverbs or if we have something else uh, on the on the agenda. But we're here every Tuesday night live, G220 Radio on YouTube, on Twitter and on Facebook. So tune in, join us next time. And we will look forward to being with you. God bless and good night.